That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Broadcasting from the west coast of the Golden State, the nation's most straightforward recovery talk show, That Sober Guy podcast, helping to keep your brain sharp and your blood clean. And now, Shane Raymer. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by That Sober Guy Meetings. Go to thatsoberguy.com, click on the live meetings tab, and register for the next live online support group Sunday morning recovery meeting. I got a great episode for you today. My homie O, Omar Pinto, is going to join the show. He is the creator and host of the Share Podcast, which is a really great show. It's got a lot of great guests that that join and share their experience, strength, and hope, some of the highs of their lives, uh, literally, and some of the lows some of the lowest of the lows uh, that I'm sure all of us have experienced both sides. So he's going to talk a little bit about the podcast uh, and about his story and what he has been through. He's actually all the way out in Costa Rica. Now he is from California, uh, but had moved out to Costa Rica a few years back. And so I'm really excited about having Owen. He's a really super cool cat. I'm, I know you, I know you're going to love him and I know you're going to love the podcast. Uh, so we're going to get to him in just a moment. Uh, I want to, uh, I want to read an email real quick from, uh, from shell who, who writes in all the way from the UK and shell, thanks for joining the meeting this morning. It was a pleasure to have you in there and thanks for, uh, for having a few words of wisdom to speak on. I appreciate that. Uh, shell says, just wanted to say a massive thank you for the online meeting and your podcast. There's such a big help. Uh, I'm a huge fan of link 80 and was thrilled to see a Nick themed podcast. That was, she's referring to the latest, uh, Nick train tribute podcast when my homie Stony stony Oak came on. Um, he was the roadie and, uh, uh, later on became the singer after Nick passed away. And we, re- we revisited Nick's story, talked a little bit about his life and what kind of the, the depression and things that he had been through and the addiction that ended up ultimately taking his life. So, uh, if you haven't heard that one, go back and check it out. It's a, it's a pretty good episode. Uh, anyway, Shell says, by the time I saw them live in the UK, Nick had already sadly passed. I'm also big into Rancid, No Effects, The Hippos, a bunch of other punk and ska stuff. I always love when I hear people that are into old school punk rock. Uh, some of the best shit, some of my favorite times in my life uh, are some of those some of those shows and those experiences, driving in the car and just rocking out and trying to play covers of them on the guitar and all that kind of shit. So it's cool. Um also, Nowhere Fast is my favorite dance like no one is watching track. Yes, I like that one. Anyways, thanks for all you do. We're the same age. I'm older by three months. I'm looking at your bio. Some of the same attitudes and the same straight talking, and there's something incredibly useful about someone my own my own age talking about this stuff. Speak soon, show. So I love sharing some of the emails I get. So Shell, thanks again, all the way out from the UK. Just another example of how we're connecting with people all around the world. And uh, there really is something special about it. So reach out, send us an email, uh, drop us a review on iTunes. That's always greatly appreciated. And thanks everybody for listening. We're going to jump over real quick before we get to O because I didn't do the 14 days of building self-esteem on this last episode. And I want to, I want to make sure I stay on top of that. So we're on day six. If you're new to this, if you go back to episode 50, that's where we started this and we do one day. It's a building self-esteem exercise. We do one day a week. So uh, this week we're on day six and here it is. I will not procrastinate. I will determine what is important for me to achieve now and the rest I will dismiss from my mind. Why should I make myself suffer needlessly from guilt for not doing tasks which I have no intention of doing? Once I discover what is important enough to accomplish now, I will motivate myself to accomplish it now. This sense of accomplishment will make me relish success rather than fear failure. So here's today's meditation. There have been times in my life that I've avoided a task because deep down inside, I was afraid that I might fail or maybe even afraid that I might succeed. Give me the courage to begin and finish my life's projects with the sense of self-worth. And here's today's exercise. Do this today. Do this exercise. This is the, this is the simplest one I've, I've seen yet throughout, um, up to day six. List one task I will accomplish today, which I've been putting off. Keep it simple. List one task, which I will accomplish today that I've been putting off. Keep it simple. So I kept thinking of some profound tasks that I needed to do. 
some great thing that would change the world. And you know what I came back to? I need to fix the damn screen door. Okay, that was my task for today is to fix the screen door. By the time I'm recording this, I've actually already done it. I did it a little bit ago, about an hour ago. I finally sat down and I did it. But this morning when I went over this, I said, what do I need to do? I've been putting it off for over a month. The dog tore a hole in it. It seems stupid, but it's just one less thing that I got to worry about. And if we try to accomplish one little thing we've been putting off every day and keep it simple, it's really going to free up a lot of space in our, in our minds and it's going to take some of that stress away. So today I will remember, this is real simple. I don't have to be perfect. I do not have to be perfect. It's progress, not perfection. A little bit at a time. All right. A little bit at a time. So I hope you, uh, I hope day six has been a little bit of help to you. I know we kind of went through it fast. Usually I elaborate on the days a little more, but I really want you guys to hear this episode with, uh, with Omar. He's a great dude, like I said, and he's got a lot of good knowledge, a lot of good experience dealing with addiction, dealing with alcoholism, and he's got a hell of a podcast too. So check it out, the Share Podcast. Here's O. All right, folks, we got a great guest today. Omar Pinto is joining the show from the Share Podcast. Uh, Share is pronounced Share, just like it says, and uh, just like you heard it. And it's an acronym for Sharing Helps Addicts in Recovery. It's a hell of a podcast. I highly recommend checking it out. Uh, It brings you some amazing life-changing success stories from addicts and alcoholics all over the world. And today on That Sober Guy Podcast, we got Big O joining the show. What's up, man? How are you, O? I'm doing fantastic, Shane. What's happening, man? Thanks for that awesome intro. Absolutely, my friend. I've been looking forward to this uh, since you were kind enough to have me on your show a couple weeks back. I think uh, I think you said that was coming out in the next couple of weeks, so I look forward to uh, to hearing that experience on on the Share Podcast. And today, I'm excited to have you uh, come on that Sober Guy Podcast. Uh, so you are all the way out in Costa Rica too, man, which, which is just one of the things that is the coolest things to me about technology and, and how opportunities like this come about when you put yourself out there and connecting with uh, cool cats like yourself all over the world. Um, we've kind of talked about that a little bit earlier about, you know, you and I connecting and then the opportunities of connecting with other people out there. What has that kind of like been uh, for you uh, with the Share Podcast? Well, I tell you, man, it is, I, I couldn't agree with you more that technology today is amazing and it's so affordable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I do, I do most of my interviews via Skype. So, you know, the majority of the time it's absolutely free. So once you've got the equipment down, you know, it's, it's pretty reasonable to get started. And I love it, man. I've met so many people. I'm originally from the United States. I've been in Costa Rica now for 16 years. And, um, you know, because of Skype and because of technology, I've done interviews with people in New York, people from New Jersey, uh, Oklahoma, North Carolina, you know, you name it. And these are places I've never even been. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's it's a trip, man. It, it, it really does... Uh it really does help connect people. And, and you'll hear in the intro on this episode, I had, I had a, um, I had a listener all the way from the UK this morning, join the, the meeting that we did and, uh, sent me a nice email afterwards. And I just kind of started tripping out. I'm like, dude, I'm talking to, to people in, in the UK, like all, I mean, yeah. all the way on the other side of the world, I've barely been out of California, man. I've been to Mexico. I'm a West coast guy, you know, uh, Mexico up to Washington and that's it. And here I am sitting, <laughs> sitting in the studio, you know, talking with folks all, all over the place, uh, including yourself today. So it's pretty fucking cool. We're going to get to the show talk a little bit more about the share podcast a little bit later. Uh, first let's get into a little bit about you, Omar. Are you ready for that? I'm ready. All right, man. So the first question I have for you is who is O today? Who are you today, man? Well, I'll tell you, man, O today is a father, a husband, a friend, a son, a brother. You know, I'm a member of narcotics anonymous. I'm a member of alcoholics anonymous. I'm a recovering drug addict. You know, and, you know, today, who O is, is a guy who, who loves to carry the message of recovery and give back what was freely given to me. That's awesome, man. And uh, I bet that's, that's, a, that's a great feeling. In fact, I know it is because I kind of share some of those same, same thoughts and same feelings. 
And um, when we think back about our past and kind of the journey that we've been on that's brought us to where we're at today, um, it is such a proud feeling uh, to say, you know, a, a good dad, a good, a good man, a good person, you know, a good human being. Um, now let's jump back to the past a little bit. Who, who were you 15? Let's, you know, I'm just throwing a number out there, say 15 years ago. Well, you know, I got, I had clean and sober 12 years ago. And I guess 15, 16 years ago is when I first moved to Costa Rica. And I was just lost. I was a guy that was all about making money, was all about me, was uh, somebody had no spiritual connection whatsoever. You know, I disconnected from God when I was about 18 years old. And I I was willing to sell my soul for a dollar. You know, that's the kind of man that I was. You know, when I came to Costa Rica... You know, I, I, you know, I'm still in the gaming business. I, I still run an online sports book and casino. That's how I, I make a living. Um, but I came down here because of the dream of making millions and being this, you know, rock star in Costa Rica that, you know, is just living this dream. This, and, and, and to be honest with you, you know, that dream is very hedonistic, right? You know, when you think about what sex, drugs, and rock and roll is all about, and you've heard that term, you know, that's why I came here. I came here looking for money. I came here looking for fame. I came here looking for girls. I came here, you know, to live that lifestyle. So, you know, I'm completely different than the person I was 15 years ago because that person didn't want nothing for anybody. He was just looking to, you know, fill that giant hole inside of me that I could never fill. The one that you can only fill with God, I was filling that with drugs, sex, women, whatever, money. You know, that's who I was. Damn, dude, I, I I love that um that last thing you said about filling that hole, that void that a lot of us feel in our in our souls and in our hearts. And um, you know, I, I really can't remember exactly where I heard it. Um, and it actually maybe I think I may have even I think it might be a quote from from the Bible uh itself. And it just talks about I can't do it verbatim, but it talks about how the soul of man is is so big that there's nothing in the world that can fulfill it except except the spirit of Christ except God and that's the only thing that'll ever make us feel complete and so when we're out there chasing you know like you were talking about money and uh, and 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 girls and drugs and that rock and roll lifestyle it doesn't matter like how much of it we get we're always wanting more and nothing will ever fulfill that void in our soul never man absolutely dude absolutely not yeah, that's uh that that's some that's some good uh some some good thoughts right there for for some of you folks out there to think about. I want you to kind of kind of take that and and think about it for a minute because uh it it really is true and no matter what no matter what we want in life, no matter where we're aspirations, where we're headed, where we want to be, um I was talking about this on the meeting today, oh, and maybe you can kind of comment on this is that we got to be okay with where we are right now because we're on a journey and we've been through some shit and there's still going to be some shit that lies ahead for us to for us to uh, face as well but how do you deal with um you know with kind of living in the moment and and accepting where you're at right now well it took me a long time to get there first of all living in the moment and living in the now just for today it's something that we talk about in recovery, in recovery, especially early on. It's like it's just for today. Try and live in the moment. And, you know, for many of us, just like me, riddled with fear, you know, riddled with fear about the future. You know, what about this? What about that? What about this? You know, and when I'm in the, you know, when I'm sitting in the room of Narcotics Anonymous or Alcoholics Anonymous, I'm in that moment. I'm in that now moment, right? And so what I wanted to do was just replicate that in my life. And and the the way to do that, the way to do that is to always be in gratitude. That is, at least for me. Yeah, for me, yeah, that's great. Being always grateful for what I have right now in this moment, all right? Like, it, there is absolutely nothing I can do about tomorrow. There's absolutely nothing I can do about yesterday except learn from yesterday, so if I just apply the principles in my life, all right, if I apply spiritual principles in my life so that I can change the things in my life that I'll go, you know what, that didn't really work out too well. So I'm going to change something. I'm going to do something a little bit different. And I keep that in mind on a daily basis. Like right now, what am I going to do right now in any given situation? 
right? And so it's always about like right now. And 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 ever since I started the podcast, and you know, interviewing people and listening to their stories, to be honest with you, that is when my ability to live in the now really kind of catapulted hmm. because it wasn't about me. I mean, I'm sitting here and it's like, I'm interviewing you and I want you to tell me about your story, about your life and about your journey in recovery. And I'm doing that every week. Right. And it's, a, and that's not me being, it's not about me. It's about them. And so, you know, what, what I found is that it has transcended into my life. And whenever, like, I'm with my wife or I'm with my daughter, I'm with my mother, I'm not thinking about, oh, man, I got to go do this, or, oh, man, I forgot I got about that, or, oh, man, what about this? I'm with them. I'm present with them because I know that at that moment, that's what's in front of me. God has put my wife in front of me or my daughter in front of me or my sponsee in front of me or whatever, and it would be... I guess, sacrilegious to a certain degree to not be present there for them. Yeah, dude, that's huge, man. And you, you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. And I feel like I, I, if I could right now, I'd rewind all that and just listen to it again. Cause it's, it's a form of just beating that into, into our brains because it's so relevant, man, to, in order to stay in that moment, we have to practice it. We have to hear it. You know, we have to, we have to express it, uh, through, through ourselves. And, and, it, and the way we do that is by, um, is by really practicing it. Um, and I also like to, uh, you were, you know, you were talking about helping others and, and you're talking about, you know, the share podcast and how you get to interview people on, on a weekly basis now and, uh, and, and different people from all over the place, different stories, different, different levels of addictions and, um, and, and, and problems in life, just life's issues. And I was telling, I think I was talking to my wife about this. I, you know, just explaining about how as addicts, as alcoholics, and just as people in general, we can really get out of our own minds and our own self by helping others. And that's such a huge thing. And I love that, that, um, that you pointed out that, you know, by doing that weekly for you and, and everyone out there doesn't have a podcast. I mean, we, we, we of course understand that, but we can do that in the rooms of AA, uh, in, in NA, in church, in the grocery store, just being good people, just putting ourselves out there and talking to people and communicating. Uh, that's a, that's something that can really help get us out of our own minds, man. Would you agree? Absolutely. That's exactly how it works. All right, man. So let's, uh, Let's jump into let's jump into your story, man. I, I I'm I'm really curious to hear kind of how you grew up, and then take us into what led you into uh, addiction. You know, I tell you from from an early age. You know, I think I think I just realized I was thinking about this a lot today, and it's I'm I'm an extremist. All right, so I go from from one extreme to the other, and you know, when I was in high school. Um, I was very shy and introverted, and so I tended to go towards the extreme of not being part of. So I wouldn't go to parties. I wouldn't drink. I wouldn't do drugs. You know, I was like, you know what, if I'm not in, involved in anything, if I'm not involved in sports or the debate society or anything, then, you know, no one's going to figure out that I, I'm in, I don't know shit, that I'm scared that I'm insecure. Like I was so afraid that the minute I opened my mouth, people would find out that I'm a moron, right? Like that's, that's how I saw myself. Okay. Like I, you know, so I was, I was scared. And so I shied away from a lot of things. Then, you know, the first time I drank, I was about 16 years old at a party. All that shit went away. It was gone in an instant. All right. I was funny. I was confident. I was good looking. I was, it was like this, the, the person that I am today, like jumped out huh. and was like, Oh man, whew, thanks for letting me out. Right. And it was all because of the alcohol. And once I discovered that, I was like, ah, here it is. Here's the magic formula that I've been missing my whole life. And from that moment on, there wasn't going to be a time where drinking was not involved, where my life did not have alcohol in it to some degree. So going through high school, going through college, that's my, my focus was on going to parties, drinking, meeting girls, and, and being with buddies that drank, and ultimately, yeah, eventually started smoking pot. I was about 19 when I started smoking pot. And I loved it, man. You know what I mean? Like, it, to be honest with you, it's probably one of the few things that I miss in my life 
is is smoking weed. Huh. You know, um, I'm not saying that I would ever do it or promote it or anything like that. But you know, for me, when I when I smoked weed for the first time, it didn't have any of the negative side effects that the alcohol does. All right, alcohol I would just get fucking fucked up, blackout <laughs> drunk. You know, yeah. and you know, you get those moments where you just drank too much jungle juice. All right, and you're in somebody's bathroom and you're just blowing your fucking brains out. Like you're just throwing up like crazy. And you're like, oh, I'm never doing this again, man. You know, and it, and it's like with the weed, none of that happened. You know, you could just be in this state of like yeah. euphoria. Give me some cake. And yeah, <laughs> just give me a pizza. Give me some cake. Put some, something funny on TV. Yeah. Let me laugh myself into a stupor, and I'm good to go. So, so you know, my life for the most part, like it always had to revolve around alcohol from the age of 16. So, you know, fast forward to when I get to Costa Rica, all right, like Costa Rica is where everything changed for me. When I was in the States, I was afraid. I was afraid of the law. I was afraid to, of losing my license. I was afraid of getting arrested. Those are the things that I was afraid of. I wasn't afraid of making my ass an ass of myself because I made an ass of myself a lot of times. Like I would wake up some mornings and have a black eye or have a bruised rib and not know what happened the night before. Then call up my buddies that I went out with the night before and go, Hey, yo, yo man, what happened last night? Oh, fuck you. Oh, and they'd hang up, you know? And I was like, Oh, I wonder what happened, you know? And then I, I keep calling my <laughs> friends until somebody goes, dude, do you have any idea what kind of an asshole you were last night? I'm like, no, I don't, I don't remember. And he's like, dude, why can't you just stop? Like after a couple of drinks, why do you always got to get fucked up? And I can't tell you how many times I heard that. Like, I can't tell you how many times I heard that from my friends say, man, you know, you're really cool when you have a couple of drinks. Why do you always have to get fucked up? And that question, as perplexing as it was, as soon as I heard it, it was almost like I forgot it because, you know, the next time I drank, it would just happen again. And once I would get that first drink in me, there was no stopping me. You know, um, I got arrested for a DUI when I was about 25 years old. That scared the shit out of me. Uh, my license was suspended for six months. That scared the shit out of me. You know, and it was that kind of, that kind of behavior and consequences that got me to stop drinking for a while. I thought, well, I'm just going to smoke weed for a while, Max. This alcohol thing is getting out of control. You know, so six months, my license was suspended. I didn't drink for six months. So, you know, in the mind of an alcoholic, the ability to stop for six months already negates the, even the idea that I'm an alcoholic because I can stop, right? What I didn't realize is that once I get that alcohol in me, I cannot stop. You know, I hadn't, I didn't realize that I had already discovered the one is too many and a thousand is never enough. I already discovered that. I just didn't know it. All right. I couldn't consciously tell myself, buddy, you can't drink because when you do, you can't stop. And I, of course, my lifestyle, my, my confidence, my personality came to life when I started drinking. So the thought of not drinking huh, never crossed my mind. Like, not forever, right? So then, when I moved to Costa Rica, is when all the shit hit the fan. Like, I just, I just transformed into this beast, into this, to this animal, right? So I come to Costa Rica, I get, off the, I get off the plane in Costa Rica, and on that day, I met the girl that I was going to marry, all right? I, I didn't know it at the time, but she was working in the same building that I was going to be in. She was our contact when we got there. I met her. I fell in love. Right. A week later, we went on our first date. Right. Three months later, we were like, you know, like in a this committed relationship. Right. And um, that same week that I got there was the first week I tried cocaine. All right. So so I started like everything, like from the moment I got off the plane in, in Costa Rica, everything that had happened to me in the United States no longer existed. All right, like all the mistakes that I had made, all the problems that I had, that no longer, I was, I was getting a do-over, all right? So I didn't have to worry about my, my DUI. I didn't have to worry about my suspended license because I was going to get an opportunity to do a do-over. And, man, a do-over in the wrong direction, that was for sure. 
Oh, it's crazy shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's super I love crazy it. shit. I love it. Man, the cocaine just changed my life. You know, like I said in my story, all right, it was like that, like that scene in the bathroom of Pulp Fiction where Uma Thurman takes that line of cocaine and oh. she just like comes up and just like, God damn, I said, God damn. You know, and that is, is, is man. I was in, I was in this, in this office. All right, because it, it, it's a bunch of sports book guys. So it's all these sports book guys, and nobody's using their real name. They all use real, like nicknames, like excited guy or sleazy or Ray Ray or you know, um, Yo Yo Baby, Od. You know, so, so right away I'm liking this this cross between you know. Fear and loathing in Las Vegas and the Seven Dwarfs. Okay, so it's just this kind of crazy shit that's going on. So I've been drinking one night with these guys. The first week I get there, and I get fucking hammered. Shocker, right? So I'm drunk, and I'm like dozing off. And I'm like, okay, guys, I think I'm done, man. I'm, I think I'm going to go to my apartment. And they're like, what do you mean, oh? Where are you going? And I go, yo, man, I'm, I'm done. They're like, no, 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 we're going to go to the casino right now, man. We're just getting started. I go... Dude, I got nothing left. I go, whoa, 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 what's that? What's that? What's going on? They op- they open up this plate, right? They had this plate covered, man, and there's this mound of cocaine on there. And they're like, hit this shit, man. You'll be fine. <laughs> so I took a line of cocaine. I'm 29 years old, all right? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm in this moment in my life that I'm thinking to myself, whoa, I've never done this before. And I've got this decision to make. Do I do this? Or do I, you know, do I bail out? And I'm thinking, I got to fit in. I got to fit in. I got to fit in. So I do it. The minute I hit that shit, buddy, it was like my whole world shifted and changed in an instant. I was like, oh, my God, where has this been all my life? I can't believe I went through college and didn't know about cocaine. Like, oh, my God, no wonder I couldn't finish school. This is what I needed. This is embarrassing. My eyes have been opened. All right? And all of a sudden, I become philosophical, and I become, you know, I mean, I'm, I was funny before. I'm even funnier now, right? And I just transform again. And I'm like, this is it, man. This is, I am, this, boom, I'm so glad I moved to Costa Rica. This is what God brought me to Costa Rica. <laughs> so I can over coke. <laughs> get all, philosoph- uh, get all uh, philosophy on some shit, huh? <laughs> Dude, you know, I don't know, I don't know how your experience was with coke, but. I, I can tell buddy, you how to build the Great Wall of China on coke. I knew, I, I knew it from top to bottom. This is how they did it. Never studied it before in my life, but you know, yeah, you you you, you get a bump out there, and yeah, we're gonna talk some shit about anything and everything. <laughs> Fucking Im- buddy, unbelievable, man! That period, there it is, right there. We would be up, all right. Like my buddy and I would be. See, we get a, we grab a notepad, all right, and we're like, okay, here's we go. All right, so this is what we need to do for the business. And I, oh, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got this. No, no, no. Well, we got to do this. Write all this down. Okay, so we spend, I don't know, 12 hours, 14 hours straight just writing shit down, right? And finally, we got to crash. Okay, I got to go home, right? Because, you know, at this point, I'm married. So I got to get, I got to get home, right? And so the next day, I wake up, I do some bong rips because I'm too hungover. I do some bong rips. I eat some breakfast. And then, you know, just so I can get out the door, I do, you know, a couple more bumps of Coke. All right. And this is probably around 11. All right. And then boom, I'm heading off to my buddy's house so we can go over what we just wrote. Okay. Hmm. And I get that. I go, yo, man, where's that notepad? Where's that notepad? Oh, man, I don't know, man. Where's that notepad? Yo, man, where's that notepad? Remember all the shit you wrote down? Oh, I think it's over there. Yo, man, what the fuck is this? What'd you do with the notepad? Yo, it's right there. That's a notepad. I go, what is it? I can't read this. This is like tic-tac-toe and it's like in Greek. Yo, man, that's the notepad. We wrote the, you know, it's like all this crap. It's fucking chicken scratch, got, huh? It's all chicken. It made oh, no, no sense. Whatsoever. It's like a beautiful mind. You know what I yeah. mean? Like I'm trying to figure out and piece this thing together, you know, and I thought he was like hiding the real one because, you know, the paranoia starts kicking in, yeah. right? So it was crazy shit like that, man. Like, you know, we went down to the beach and it was like, all right, man, uh, let's go. Like, just the guys. The guys are going to go down to the beach. Now, 
you live in Costa Rica. It's one of the most beautiful places in the world, first of all. Number two, the beaches are amazing, super hot, all right? How do you go down to the beach one tone of white and come back the same tone, all right? <laughs> Explain to me how you go down to the beach to go hang out and don't even get a tan, all right? Because we're locked up in the hotel room the whole time just doing drugs, all right? And it was that kind of a lifestyle where I didn't even realize what was happening to me, all right? And then at that point, even when I was down here, we'd be like, all right, man, well, let's, let's do some mushrooms, right? And I'm like, yeah, 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 okay, let's do some mushrooms. Oh, oh, let's take some ecstasy. Oh, okay, let's do some ecstasy. You know, it was like, I never gave a shit, man. Like, I put my life in, in jeopardy and at risk all the time. I didn't even realize it. I, I just, I would just put my faith and my trust that the drug dealer was giving me what I was looking for, you know? And sometimes it was just some bunk-ass shit, you know? But I remember the first time I did mushrooms, right? It was the most amazing experience of my life. There's a bunch of us, there's like five of us, we're laughing, we're having a great time, you know? And I couldn't wait to do it again. And the next time I did it, you know, I did double the amount that I did the first time because I'm thinking, well, if I had this much fun with you know, this little amount, then double should I have the most, even more fun. Yeah. And I start tripping, dude. I start just freaking out. I start seeing shit like, like out of fear and loathing, right? Things were coming out of the walls. People had like two heads, right? I was just flipping out, man. It was just this constant, like, like no, no regard for my own, you know, well-being. You know, it was just this constant. And, and these guys were just, you know, doing coke every day, and when you needed to stop, you would just pop volume or Tylenol PMs or or uh, you know Vicodin, whatever you needed to do to come off it. Smoking weed every day. I went from a guy who ran a business five days a week and would party on the weekends to a guy that was smoking weed, doing coke, popping X, popping pills every single day. And, you know, it, like and, and it happens fast too, huh? It pro the progression of these types of situations happens so fast. It's like, boom, all of a sudden you catch yourself in the trenches of it. Like, how the fuck did I get here? Oh, within a year? Within a year, dude. Within a year, my entire life and identity had completely changed. I was unrecognizable to the person that I was, you know? And so I get married, and she's hoping that when, when we get married, I'm going to change. I don't. She tries taking me to therapy. She tries, you know, let's try, you know, can you just stop doing the coke and just smoke weed and can you know, and we're trying everything. And I don't know what I'm up against, man. Like, for those of you listening, man, you don't know what you're up against, right? Like, I didn't know I was battling a disease that does not lose. It has a 100% win rate. You cannot beat this thing. You can't. All right. And so whether I switch from alcohol to weed or from weed to alcohol, or from just Coke or just whatever, no mood or mind altering substance. I can't have anything in my body that will get me out of myself or the disease jumps right in and takes over. I did not know this, you know, so I built this business down there and I was doing Coke every day and I built this business, this multimillion dollar sports book company in a matter of about two years. So my ego is just through the roof, man. I'm thinking that, like, wow, man, not only not only did I build this amazing business, but I did it all on Coke, right? So I'm giving credit. <laughs> yeah, I'm giving credit. Fucking <laughs> Albert Einstein and shit, huh? <laughs> Buddy, I'm totally giving credit where credit is not due, right? And so, you know, it's like this whole thing happened because I was doing real. So there's no way you're going to keep me from doing that. At this point now, I'm so obnoxious, I'm just that guy. I am that guy. And, you know, when you're that guy on alcohol, it's one thing. When you're that guy on cocaine and alcohol, you're fucking dangerous. Yeah. So now I'm running around with a with a Taurus 9mm with hollow points, okay? So, because I'm driving around thinking that people are after me now, all right? So I'm paranoid. And, you know, all kinds of shit was just getting worse and worse. What happened was the business crashed. I, I, I started to lose the business. And so at that point, it was like, okay, well, finally now he's starting to come off of his, 
reign of terror because now he can't say that, well, mm-hmm. we're making money, so now he's going to have to listen to somebody. So, so what happened was, like, I mean, I'm doing so much. Well, let me give you a couple stories. A couple stories was I come home one day, right, and I can't remember what my wife had said to me. She said something to me, and I said, how did you know that? She goes, well, I, I know. I know this because of whatever. I don't remember the circumstance, but I remember going, there's no way anybody would know that. There's only one way you would know this. The guard outside, he must be spying on me. The guard in the front of the house that's watching the neighborhood, he's spying on me. I knew it. I went to my room. I grabbed my gun. I loaded. My wife sees me going out, the like headed towards the door, all right, to go after the, the security guard on the street, okay? She freaks out. She starts crying. She, like, jumps to the ground, like, grabs my leg, and she's like, please, please, I'm begging you. Please, I'm begging you. Don't do this. Don't do this. What is wrong with you? You know, and it was, I just remember that moment where I was like, what is wrong with me? What am I doing? Right? And, and it, you know, it was like, what, why am I, why do I have this gun? Right? So and so. W- was, would you say that, was that a moment when, when you kind of, maybe a light bulb went off and you kind of had a realization like, like, dude, who am I? Like, who have I become? Like, what, you know, what, what am I doing? Like, what is going on? Yeah. And I had a lot of those, man. I had a lot of those moments, man. I mean, we went to, you know, like when the, the business was, was, was struggling and they said, well, we need to, we wanted to merge with another company. So they flew me out to Canada. Right. Here's another, here's, oh my God. This is, this is right at the end there, man. Cause this is where I was out of control. You know, they flew me to, to Canada with one of the kids I work with, right? And so I get out there, and as soon as I get to, I, as soon as I get there, all right, we get off the plane, we get in a cab, and I look at the cab driver. We're in Canada, and I go, "Yo, man, I need to get some coke." And the, my my employee is like, "Did you just ask the cab driver for some blow?" <laughs> and I'm like, "No, man, just chill out, man. You're so high strung. Just relax. I got this." And the cab driver's like, yeah, 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 I'll hook you up. He takes me to this crack-infested area, man, that seriously, I don't know how I'm still alive. All right? There's all these, like, spooks, all right? I'm all all cracked out and freaking out. And, and I go up and I roll down the window. I'm like, hey, man, you, you holding? And like, yeah, of course. I got some. Right? So I buy some shit off this guy, right, in this little balloon. All right? I get back to the hotel room. My employee is staring at me. Like, I am like a, a piece of fungus on the floor. He's so disgusted with me, right? And he's terrified at the same time. I go back. I open up the baggie as soon as I get there. Do a couple, do it, set it up, do a line. And I was like, oh, what the fuck? And it was, I was, God, it's like, is that bleach? Is this, oh, God. what the fuck is this? I get burned my nose, right? And I was like, oh, what is this? I go, well, maybe I fucked up my nose. This is how insane I was. I go, maybe it's my nose. So I do it through the other nostril, <laughs> right? I'm thinking it ain't the shit. Yeah. It's my nose. And I do another bump and it's like, oh, fuck. Right? And I go, I guess it's, I guess I bought some bad shit. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking <laughs> just unbelievable, huh? Oh, dude, it could have been no, no rationalization. Just like, I mean, the cunningness of the, you know, the thought process of, of when you're just in the trenches of, of being in your addiction, like right at, you know, right in the middle of it is just like all, all common sense is literally out the window. There's none, man. There's none. There's none. And And so then I, you know, I leave there. And we go to, to meet up with the guys that we're supposed to have this business meeting with, right? And right as we're walking into this club, right, we're going to meet them in this club. As we're standing outside, I look over at this convenience store, and I see this guy standing in the hall and right outside the, 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 the convenience store, and I go, that guy's a drug dealer. And he goes, oh, no. Oh, what are you doing? I go, just relax. I walk up to the guy, and I go, yo, man, you hold him? He goes, what are you, a cop? <laughs> And I go, I go, no, man, I'm from California. He's like, you California guys are crazy motherfuckers, right? And I was like, yo, man, I ain't no cop, you know, but are you holding? 
<laughs> yeah, what you got? <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, I'll hook you up. I'll hook you up. So he hooks me up, and this time it's like some fucking Bolivian flake shit. It was like the fucking bomb. Lit me up like a Christmas tree. I was like, ready to roll. So I go into this business meeting thinking I am the fucking man, right? I'm just rambling on like an asshole, just being obnoxious. And when the meeting is done, I I grab I fucking you know smack one of the other owners on the ass, and I'm like, all right, man, fucking let's get this party going, man. Who's holding, right? And it was like my employee leaves. Everybody just kind of bailed on me, right? Nobody wants to hang around with that guy. Yeah. My employee, the employee goes back to the office. He calls the other partners. He goes, okay, guys, I'm done here. O has officially fucked this whole thing up, man. We're done. All right? He's made a fool out of us. He's made a fool out of himself, and I'm done with this. Right? So I get back to Costa Rica. They lock me out of my of the office. There were security guards posted outside. They're like, you're going to rehab. You're done. That's it. You know? And to be honest with you, man, at that point, I had done so many drugs. I had caused so much wreckage. I had everybody around me just spun from all the antics. You know I mean? When you're rolling around with a gun and you're a cocaine addict, it's not a good thing. All right? So, so people were just, you know, terrified. And they said, look, man, you're going to rehab. We're going to take care of the business. And don't worry about your expenses. We got you. Right? And so that's when it started, man. They, they stuck me in a rehab down in Costa Rica, right? Um, and I started going to meetings. And the minute I walked into my first NA meeting in Costa Rica, man, it was like five guys sitting in that room. And I had less than 24 hours clean, man. Like I was, you know, less than 24 hours clean. You know, um, I just remember going, man, this is, this is where I belong. I think everybody here sharing my same story. Like I started talking about my shit and they were like, Oh, I remember this. You know, it's crazy, man. Guys that had like been doing cocaine for 15 and a half years. Right. And ruined everything. And we're like down $800,000 and $2 million. Like I was like, Whoa, Whoa. Like that's crazy. And so my ability to, Stop thinking that I was the most important person in the world or that my problems were the biggest or that I had the biggest cocaine problem or whatever. I, it all got nullified the minute I walked in the room because I was just one of those guys in the room, man. I was it, you know. Um, did you uh, did you did you find that once you, uh, you know, once you once you went into rehab, once you started your your recovery process, um you know, because the selfishness of the disease of, of when you're in the disease, you know, when you're living that lifestyle that, um, you know, that, that you've been talking about right now, um, number one, it's, it's very selfish. Okay. But then now, now we transition into, into the recovery part of it. And we've already been selfish with, you know, our time with ourselves, with the people that we love, because everything's about us. Like you just said, now we got to jump into the recovery process and that whole part of it is very selfish too. And I always had trouble with that. Um, you know, go, going through the rehab and then going, you know, going to meetings and, and it was taking time. And did you have, did you have a part of that too, that, that you kind of, that kind of bugged you or you had a little bit of guilt about like, here I am, I fucked off, you know, this many years in this selfish disease. And now I got to go and I got to get sober and I got to be selfish again, even though it's in a different, it's in a different perspective. It's in a different light and it's, it's more in a positive way in a sense. But did you have any, any struggle with that too? It actually happened. It actually happened because the fact that I have such an addictive personality, the minute I grabbed a hold of this concept as soon as I recognized that this was for real and this could save my life, I jumped into recovery like I jumped into a bag of blow. You know, like I was all in. I was going to meetings every day, all right? I was, I got a sponsor right away, right? And so my whole focus became on recovery. And in the course of that, you know, my wife at the time, who was like trying to get me to stop doing drugs and get her husband back. Now I was not doing drugs, but now I was in meetings all the time and meeting with my sponsor. Yeah. And it was recovery this and recovery that. And it was like, 
I don't even know who you are. Like, who are you? And, and, you know, it's like you've replaced the drugs for, you know, this program for, for the NA program. Right. And so that's how, that's how she felt. That's how my, my wife felt at the time. And I remember, I remember I was spending so much time in the room and I didn't know this. I didn't know this, but while I was out ripping and tearing, she had made a friend, you know what I mean? So she, she had met, she had met somebody who was just a friend at the time. He is now the stepfather of my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. You know, and, I, and, and, I, and, and I love that man. I love that man. You know, he's a good man, you know, and, and, and you know, I couldn't ask for anything better, but at the time I wanted to set his ass on fire. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and so what happened was I didn't know about this, but you know, she she had made friends with somebody who was there supporting her while I was running around tearing things up and wreaking havoc as a drug addict. But now he was supporting her while I was off in meetings and doing all that shit, you know, as, as a friend. And so what happened was I had about five months clean, all right? And I was going to meetings like heavy. And, you know, at this point, at this point, she had asked me to leave the house, right? Like, I, we were separated. I was living somewhere else. My goal was to get it back right? And to get our family back. Plus my daughter is just born. You know, my, my daughter, I, when I had five months, my daughter was, uh, a month old. So she was born when I was like four months clean. And I remember sitting there in that delivery room after she was born and just staring at her and going, and just going, God help me. You know, she doesn't deserve a drug addict for a father. You know, God just, just help me do this. Cause I, I, I don't want to do this no more. And though that was a huge, huge white light moment for me when I, I remember holding her all night long, right? Like, cause her, you know, her mother had a cesarean section, so she was out cold all night. So I was holding her in my arms, staring at her, you know, and I just memorizing her face and just thinking to myself, you know, I'm going to figure this shit out. I'm going to, you know, and, and, and not just, I'm going to figure this thing out. Cause I was already in the program, but I was like, God, you got to help me with this. I'm going to do whatever, you know? And so, um, the problem was that about a month after she was born, you know, I found out about this friend, you know, Got and it. I flipped the book out, you know, and, and she's like, so I questioned her about, you know, Hey, what's going on with this? And I found out this blah, blah, blah. And she was like, first of all, you don't have the right to question me about anything. All right. Number two. All right. Nothing's going on. All right. He's just a friend. All right. And he's been here for me supporting me while you're off doing whatever it is that you're doing. All right. So you need to mind your own business. And I go, this is my business. No, it's no longer your business. All right. And so I just, I didn't use the program the way I needed to, you know, I should have gone and, and, and shared about it. And instead I relapsed, you know, I had about five months in, I'd, you know, been gung ho about the program and all this shit. And boom, I, I went back out, you know, and of course I could go out in spectacular fashion, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, sex, drugs and rock and roll. All right. So I disappear for like four days. Right. And I locked myself up in, in my apartment doing drugs and, you know, doing all kinds of, you know, whatever. And, uh, I remember I called one of my buddies that I used to get high with and I'm like, yo, man, let's go, man. Let's party. Let's do this. So he's like, you get, are you fucked up right now? I'm like, yeah. He came over. He says, great, let's do this. So my buddy comes over. He's like, where's the shit? It's in the kitchen, man. Go set yourself up a drink. And, you know, we're partying tonight. So he's in the kitchen for a while, right? So I'm like, I wonder what he's doing in there. I walk in the kitchen. He's dumping all the blow, dumping all the booze, right? And I'm like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? And this, I, dude, I'll never forget this, like, like for the rest of my life. He looked at me. He goes, I'm offended, you piece of shit. Damn. I am offended that I'm the one you called for this. Okay? Like, you've been clean for five months, and the first person you think about calling, I haven't heard from you in five months, by the way, but you go out, you get fucked up, and then you call me? Nah, man. It ain't going down like that. So I'm dumping all your shit, and you're coming with me. He made me get in his car, took me to his house, made me spend the night with him, and then the next day called my sponsor, and have my sponsor come get me. Wow. You know, I'll never forget this. You know, I, you know, I was like, I, I, when I got a year, when I got a year sober, I called him and I cleaned. I said, yo man, 
thank you for saving my life that night, you know, you and still, I apologize. Do you still talk to him today? You know, I, ha- you know, I haven't talked to him in a long time. I try, you know, I would send him a message every year and go, you know, I got clean up to about five years, but he lives in the States now and, yeah. you know, we've kind of gone separate ways, but. Well, it's, uh, know, the, it's, the only, the only reason I ask is just cause that's such like a, that's such a pivotal moment, I think in, you know, in, in what way that, you know, that, that path that you took could have went. I mean, could you imagine, or, I mean, who knows what, what would have happened had he not done that and just been that homie that was like, yeah, fuck it. Let's, you know, let's, let's get after it tonight. Instead, you know, he, he takes the, the alternate route. Um, that's, that's pretty, pretty unbelievable. Well, that was God. That was God, man. That was, that was not, I'm the kind of person that believes that not everybody has the same philosophy that, 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 you know, that I do, but that I just choose to believe that the minute I walked into that room for the first time and I surrendered the first time that God was like, I can, I know he wants to do this. So he would just keep putting things in front of me, right. That made it impossible for me, you know, not to fall. Well, I mean, I could have made a choice not to, right. But, you know, have him actually drag me out of the house, take me to his house. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's huge, man. And this is where my, this is what the bottom of all bottoms, you know, he, he dropped me off. I went to the meeting. I met my sponsor. And as soon as the meeting was over, I went to my house. I had hidden shit. So I had the stash hidden. Right. I continued for another three days. Right. And on the third day at nine o'clock in the morning, my wife rings the doorbell and I'm like, who would be ringing my doorbell at 9 o'clock in the morning? And I go upstairs, I look outside the window, I peek outside the window, and I see her standing outside with my 30-day-old daughter in her arms. And I go to the intercom, and I'm like, what are you doing here? She's like, I haven't heard from you in like three days. What are you doing? I go, nothing, man, I'm busy. Oh, you're busy. Yeah, I'm busy. I, well, I gotta go. So I went back, I went over to the window, I looked outside the window, man. I could, I, I still know exactly what both of them were wearing, you know, and I just remember looking outside the window and, and, and then watching her walk up the street, you know, like shaking her head. And I just remember going, I'm done here, God. I'm, I'm fucking done. All right. Like whatever I got to do, I couldn't feel worse than I feel in this moment when I want to die. I'm done with this shit. You know, and I remember just so angry and so enraged with the disease. You know, I was like, fuck this, man. I ain't going out like that. You know? And so, man, I got to tell you, bro, that was it. You know I mean? I'm 12 years, I'm 12 years clean today. And my daughter's 12 years old, you know, only by a couple of months. We're not the same age, but that moment changed my life forever. I'll never forget that, that, demoralized state, that incomprehensible demoralization that I felt in that moment. I said, I will do whatever it takes to get clean, man. Because I made a promise to my daughter when I held her in my arms 30 days ago, and now it's fucking bullshit. And that, you know that, what I mean? And that, that is, man. You, you nailed it right there. That is what it takes. I will do whatever it takes. And, and complete surrender. Uh, complete surrender to, to the higher power and to... Uh, you know, to, to combating, uh, the, the shit that is, is, is going on in the mind at that time, man. That's, that's fucking crazy, man. Hey dude, I just, I appreciate your honesty and, um, and your passion to tell your story and to be honest about it. Cause I know sometimes it can be hard to talk about some of these things. And, uh, I think as time goes on, um, it, it does become a little bit more, you know, a little bit easier as time goes on, but still, I mean, I, I know how it is, you know, thinking back to some of these times, even, even the kind of escapade part of it, uh, sometimes even hearing about it, it gives me anxiety when I hear someone else talking about it, let alone to think about it myself. So I just, uh, I, I really do appreciate your honesty. Oh, and that, that's, uh, I mean, that's, that's a hell of a story and, and there's some great lessons to be learned in there. Um, I want to jump to right now. I want to jump to real quick. What is, what does your program look like today? Like, take us through, uh, we, we got a few minutes left, but take us through, um, you know, a, a quick day, a quick day on, 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 on what your, your recovery program looks like today. Well, today, for me, I have to stay connected with the fellowship. That's number one. You know, for, you know I've been going to meetings for 12 years, and I have never gone more than a week 
without going to either an NA or an AA meeting. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, there's the AA Nazis and the NA Nazis, and they talk about, you know, hey, this is the right program, or that's the right or whatever. And I'm always like, let me ask you a question. Which one of those rooms do you think God is in? And always the question is the same, answer the same. Well, he's in both. Well, thank you. Huh. You know, as long as I am connected with a fel- with the fellowship, all right, with a 12-step program where they are talking and working steps, when people are honestly opening and sharing, that's where I get my my sustenance from, my, my sustenance from, you know, like that's, yeah. that's how I live and breathe. You know, I got to be in a meeting. I got to be connected with the fellowship. That's number one. You know, I also have to pray and thank God on a daily basis. I'm not as vigilant as I should be or I would like to be, especially in the mornings. But every night when I lay down my head and my pillow and my wife is lying right next to me, all right, that's in the moment where I'm thanking God right then, right then. Thank you so much, God. Thank you so much for the life that I have today that I don't deserve. You know, because if I got what I deserve, I would not be here. All right. So thank you for my beautiful wife and thank you for my beautiful daughter. And thank you for this wonderful program that that allows me to live the life that I live today. So I have to pray. I have to thank God. I have to live in gratitude. I have to go to meetings. All right. And I have to carry the message. I have to be doing service. That is what keeps me clean today. Yeah, thanks, man. I love the gratitude and I love I love the service, man. That's that's right on point and that's that's what keeps us out of our out of our own heads and that's what keeps us on that path of recovery. Uh oh, take a couple minutes, man, and uh and tell us about the share podcast and where listeners can find you at, where they can connect with you at, and uh tell us a little bit about the show. All right. The share podcast, like Shane is telling you. Sharing helps addicts in recovery, and that's all, that's exactly what it does. It's just like going to a speaker meeting and listening to somebody share their story. That's all it is, all right? I I put this together um, probably about a year ago. I I came up with the idea of doing the Share Podcast because I just love listening to speakers. I love hearing, you know, speaker tapes. Uh, I've just, I've always been, like, um, amazed and impressed and inspired, you know, by guys that tell their story, right? And, you know, so I, I just decided one day, you know what? I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to do a podcast and I'm going to interview all my friends. That's perfect. I'm going to interview all my friends I'm gonna, because, you know, y'all got some fucked up stories. Come on and share. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know, man. You know, it's it's like, if if you go and Google or you go online and you go, there's circuits out there. Like there's actual circuit speakers that go around and they have a hell of a story, right? But what about the guy that, you know, raises a family and goes to work every day, you know what I mean? And and does the grind and he's clean and he's sober and he's doing the deal. How many guys out there are doing the deal exactly the same way he is? And they just need to hear that story. Yeah. You know, they need to know that guy's just like me. That guy drives a truck just like me, or or that guy works at a grocery store just like me, or or, or or whatever, man. You know what I'm saying? So so I wanted to just be able to bring everyday stories of people just like you and me who go to meetings every day and have a program that want to share the story. Yeah, that's great, man. That's great, and uh, and you know it's it's done really well. I've listened to a couple of them. My my favorite one uh, was uh, I think his name was Lewis, um, Lewis from uh, he was from Los Angeles, I think. Is that right? Gang related. Yeah, gang related, man. Yeah, I I want to recommend that one out there to the folks. I mean, there, there's there's some really good ones on there, but that's one of the ones that really uh, really stood out to me that I thought was was really done well and a very interesting story. But I do I do think that you hit it right on the head, man. It's just this this disease does not discriminate. It doesn't care if you're white, black, gay, straight, fat, skinny, stupid, smart. Like it it doesn't it doesn't matter. You know, there's doctors, there's lawyers. That old that old um that old stigma of the, the homeless dude that, you know, laying in a pile of piss and shit in the doorway of, of some, of some rundown warehouse or some run, rundown liquor store, you know, it, that's not, 
that's not what an alcoholic necessarily is. There's all kinds of people that are, that are functioning people out there that struggle with this shit. So I love that you bring light to that, you know, that just the normal person who can have these issues and we really need to get that word out there. And that's exactly what you're doing. And that's exactly what, what I'm doing as well. So, oh man, a, uh, I thank you uh, very much, man, for coming on and sharing your story, talking a little bit about um, about the things that you've been through, the ups and downs. Is there anything else you want to add out there to the to the listeners? One last thing. How about an HP? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, for those out there, stay connected, man. Stay connected. All right, out there alone, we are just, you know, we're helpless. You know, we need to be connected. We need to be in a room full of recovering drug addicts and alcoholics that, so we can share our message and they can share theirs. You know what I mean? Because once you're in there, then it's HP, baby. Hell yeah. Well, go go to the sharepodcast.com. Check out the show. Oh, thanks again, my friend. All right, brother. Thank you, man. Thank you very much for having me on the show, man. It's been a blast. This has been another episode of That Sober Guy Podcast. For more information, visit www.thatsoberguy.com. Contact Shane at sobriety at thatsoberguy.com. And leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Peace, love, respect. Keep your blood clean.